Hello, this is History Storytime with Sophie, age seven. That's me. And Ellie, age five. That's me. And our daddy. That's me. We like hearing about battles, dropping off heads, and kings and queens. I add in the funny bits. I add in the disgusting bits. And we tell a new story every week. So don't forget to subscribe. Daddy, I love watching the Night's Tale this week. Great homeschooling idea. Shush, don't tell your mother. We should do a podcast about jousting. Daddy, we don't need you for this. Why not? Chloe is here and she knows loads about jousting. Hold on, who is Chloe? Her job is to dress up as historical characters like knights. Wow, how? She works at the Royal Armouries. That's the huge museum with all the suits of armour and guns. It's in Leeds. They have stuff in the Tower of London too. Hello Sophie. Hello Ellie. Hi Chloe. Hi Chloe. We have a jousting expert. And away we go! We know jousting started as knights training for battle. They would organise pretend battles. Like when we play with our lightsabers. This helped knights in the Middle Ages get better at using their weapons. And they would learn how to fight together as a team. The pretend battles would take place over miles of fields. And were there any rules? It's a game for grown-ups. They always make boring rules. In England, they had a few rules. You even had to have special permission from the king to take part. Hi there! He controls everything. The knights were split into teams. They had to capture knights from the other team. It sounds like an amazing game of British Bulldog. (laughs) With swords. And lances. And horses. (laughs) Love it! Captured knights were out of the game. Unless they paid money to carry on. Some games on Daddy's phone are like that. They even had a place where knights couldn't be captured whilst they had a rest. That's just like homie when we play tag at lunchtime. The knights wore armour and had horses, shields, lances and swords. Sometimes they would blunt their weapons. So they would be less likely to kill each other. A sword smashing into someone's head is pretty painful. Ouch! Even if it's not sharp. Often they would not. These events were mock battles, so things were kept very close to the real thing. So they had to watch out for those sharp swords. The winning team was the one that had captured the most knights. Yeah! Sounds just like an enormous fight. And did people watch? Not then. It was too spread out. Though it did make some knights famous. Like celebrities? Yes. William Marshall was one of the most famous knights in England. And one reason was that he was so good at tournaments. I'm a knight. Get me out of here. Oh, get me out of this helmet. There's a story of William Marshall being stuck inside his helmet after it was hit in a tournament. Help! The blacksmith had to hammer it open. I hope he didn't get hurt. That would not be a good look. Later, Justin became more formal and more for spectators. Like in the knight's tale? Yes, though it was still practice for knights. 
eventually tournaments started, which were large events that had lots of activities, including a joust. There were even more rules. I told you, grown-ups can't see fun without adding rules. Each tournament had a running order of the different competitions, just like big sporting events do today. The joust was always looked forward to by those watching. That was when you tried to hit your opponent with a lance and either throw him off his horse or break your lance. And would they do this three times, like in the knight's tale? Sometimes. Sometimes there were more runs. Sometimes there was only one run. Then they would have another competition where they would use different weapons. So perhaps using swords or axes. What sort of rules were there? They had to use the same pre-organised equipment. This was to stop knights being naughty. I'm a bad boy. And using things like longer lances. So they couldn't cheat? Exactly. Despite how much some knights might have wanted to. Do we have an actual story of a joust? Some of what we know about jousting comes from a writer called Foise. Hello! If we make some of the words a bit simpler, we can read some of it together. Great. In 1390, there was an amazing procession through Paris. King Richard II of England was very jealous and decided that anything the King of France did, he could do better. Anything you can do, I can do better. As a copycat, the King of England ordered grand tournaments to be held in London. I got an idea! I think he should come up with his own ideas. The prize for the best knight was to be a rich crown of gold. And that would be chosen by the ladies, including the Queen of England. Love that! It's about time we had some women in our story. Heralds were sent to announce the tournament throughout Europe. Sunday was the beginning of the jousting. About three o'clock, there paraded out from the Tower of London 60 beautifully armoured horses. Then came 60 mounted noble ladies, elegantly and richly dressed. Every lady led a knight, completely armed for jousting, by a silver chain. Hold on, you're telling me that noble ladies led knights through the streets of London by a silver chain? Chloe, you're the expert. Do people do this now? Not so much. It's not as fashionable as it once was. Boo-hoo! What happens next? They move through London, attended by trumpets. Queen Anne of England had already arrived with the king. When the knights arrived, they laced on their helmets and prepared themselves for the joust. The knights would have looked spectacular in their armour. Armour was not just for protection. It also showed how rich and fashionable the knight was, as the decoration and shape were based on the popular fashions of the day. Every knight wanted to be the best looking in their kit, just like the Premier League footballers do today. The tournament began and everyone tried his best. Many were thrown from their horses and more lost their helmets. The jousting continued with great courage and determination until nightfall. At supper, the winner was chosen. By the ladies? Of course. So who won? The Count d'Ostrevent from France. Who was far better than anyone else who had jousted that day. For he's a jolly good fellow. 
can't deny. Later at Windsor Castle, he was made a Garter Knight. This was one of the most important types of knight in England. Thank you very much. Becoming a knight meant you had to go by a code of chivalry. There are lots of different versions, but the main aim of these codes were to make sure that the knights behaved well. This meant they would defend others, be honourable, fight for their liege lord, and be an all-round good guy, amongst other things. The sort of person you would want as a friend. Jousting became more and more of a sport than used for battle training. A sport for very rich people. Kings and nobles would joust. By the reigns of Henry VIII and Elizabeth I in the 1500s, jousting was all about the pomp and ceremony. About the glamour and the bling. I bet it was still dangerous. Henry VIII hurt himself in a joust. Uh-oh! He damaged his leg and the wound did not heal properly. Uh. This meant he could no longer play sports as much as he was used to. This is when he started to pile on the pounds. And King Henry II of France was killed jousting. Afterwards, the French started to believe that jousting was just too dangerous. And not much youthful battle training. And then the sport slowly died out across Europe. Chloe, that was amazing. I think I would like to be a knight. Thank you for helping us learn all about jousting. Sleep tight. Don't let the bed bugs bite.